can go hand in hand and ties in with that mindset or that concept. And if you will look with me in verse number 17, Psalm 34 and verse number 17. The psalmist writes, The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth, and delivereth them out of all their troubles. Father, we pray that you'll bless in the message this afternoon. May it be something that will challenge and charge our hearts and our minds. And Lord, may above all, may your Holy Spirit do His work. Help us to understand your word and to, to rightly divide it, to glean from it and learn from it the things you would want us to. Bless tonight, uh, this afternoon, and, and fill us with your power both in preaching and in listening, and help us keep our hearts and minds focused upon it. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. There are times that uh, we find ourselves uh, in absolute dependence. I, uh, for years, have heard people say, well, we are... Uh, independent, fundamental, Bible-believing, King James Version, Baptist churches. And I don't like that for that title. I, I heard somebody say it this way one time. I like it far better. We are dependent. Because the truth of the matter is, uh, when we say we're independent, and I know what we mean by that. We're talking about denominational hierarchy. But the truth is, we are absolutely dependent, aren't we? On the Lord Jesus Christ. To say that we're independent means that I attempt these things and do these things in my own power, in my own strength. There comes times in our lives where we need to be emptied of self. And the, when Jesus was teaching the Sermon on the Mount, He was dealing in the first three of the Beatitudes with what His disciples were inwardly and needed to deal with the heart issue before He could ever teach them anything. And He says, Blessed are the poor in spirit. He said, Blessed are they that mourn. And the idea of being mournful, sorrowful, and broken over our sinful condition. And then he said today, we were studying it, blessed are the meek, those that would yield themselves and surrender their will. Those that are prideful, those that are not meek, are those that are self-centered and self-willed. When we get to the place where we meet these criteria to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ, then there come circumstances of life that would cause us to be put in a place where the psalmist speaks of here. When he says, the righteous cry, there are times that you and I cry, and there are times in Scripture where those that were righteous cried unto the Lord. And one of the great places, and I love to read this, if you will, turn with me to Psalm 107. In one of the darkest and deepest times of my life, uh, I came across this psalm, and it was such a blessing to me. <clears throat> oh, give thanks unto the Lord, for, for He is good. His mercy is, endureth forever. And I, I'm going to say this, above all things, even in the circumstances of life, God is good. The psalmist begins, he's going to talk of some things that happen, and some of them are pretty horrible things. But he begins by saying, God is good, and His mercy endureth forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He hath redeemed from the hand of the enemy. And we could all learn from this. And gather them out of the lands from the east and from the west and from the north and from the south. They wandered in the wilderness in the solitary way. They found no city to dwell in. Hungry and thirsty, their soul fainted in them. Those are some pretty powerful phrases, aren't they? You ever been to that point where your soul was fainting? I remember driving down the road 
US one number of years ago and God had really put me through some very dark times and I was weeping and praying and talking to him and I said, Lord, I've got to have some relief. Just gotta have some relief. And a thought came to my mind as I was driving down the road and I don't think God speaks audibly to us, but it was interesting because all of a sudden a verse from Psalm 23 popped in my mind. It's actually just a portion of a verse. And the phrase, He restoreth my soul, came so real to me. And I thought, you know, in order for God to restore my soul, my soul had to be broken. There had to be, a, there had to be a, a, something that was devastating to it. There had to be something that was causing it to be mired down in sorrow and heartache and brokenness. These are the ones who are hungry and thirsty and their soul is fainting within them. And I want you to notice what it says here in verse number 6. Then they what? They cried. Cried unto the Lord in their trouble. He delivered them out of their distresses and He led them forth by the right way that they might go to the city of habitation. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His what? His goodness. And for His wonderful works to the children of men. For He satisfied the longing, satisfied the longing soul and filleth the hungry soul with goodness, such as sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, being bound in affliction and iron, because they rebelled against the words of God and condemned the counsel of the Most High. Therefore He brought down their heart with labor, and they fell down, and there was none to help. They got themselves into this mess, didn't they? They turned from God. They were rebellious against the words of God. They got themselves in this mess. But I want you to notice what it says in verse 13. But they what? Or then they what? Cried unto the Lord in their trouble. And God said, you made your bed, you can lie in it. Didn't He? No. What did He do? Look what it says. And they cried unto the Lord in their trouble, and He saved them out of their distresses. Just like His great love, isn't it? He brought them out of darkness and the shadow of death and break their bands in sunder. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness, for His wonderful works to the children of man. For He hath broken the gates of brass and cut the bars of iron in sunder. Fools, because of their transgression and because of their iniquities, are afflicted. Their soul abhorreth all manner of meat, and they draw near unto the gates of death. Then they what? Cry unto the Lord in their trouble. He saveth them out of their distresses. He sent His Word and healed them and delivered them from their destructions. Oh, that men would praise the Lord for His goodness and for His wonderful works to the children of man. And let them sacrifice the sacrifices of thanksgiving and declare His works with rejoicing. That they that go down to the sea in ships that do business in great waters, these see the works of the Lord and His wonders in the deep. For He commandeth, and raiseth the stormy wind, which lifteth up the waves thereof. They mount up to the heavens. They go down again to the depths. Their soul is melted because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like a drunken man, and are at their wits' end. Then they cry unto the Lord in their trouble, and He bringeth them out of their distresses. Four different times in this psalm, the psalmist speaks of a predicament that man had gotten himself into. And each time they cry unto the Lord, and the Lord is faithful. Boy, aren't we glad of that. The Lord is faithful. Even when they were the ones responsible for the mess they were in, God still delivered them when they cried. 
There are times in our life where we need to cry unto the Lord. Look with me, if you will, in Nehemiah chapter number 13. Nehemiah is towards the end of his, his time. He's already succeeded in doing the work God has given him to do. And Nehemiah, three different times in this chapter, prays a particular phrase that I think is one of the cries that we ought to have to the Lord from time to time. Nehemiah chapter number 13, if you will, look with me in verse number 14. Nehemiah says, Remember me, O my God, concerning this, and wipe not out my good deeds that I have done for the house of my God and for the offices thereof. It's interesting that he uses this phrase in verse 14. Remember me, O God. That's a, that's a peculiar phrase, isn't it? I mean, we know who God is, don't we? we? We know that He knows all things. In fact, He knows us better than we know ourselves. He knows our heart better than we know our heart. Why would somebody pray, Lord, remember me? We sing the song years ago, the little chorus, Do, Lord, oh, do, Lord, oh, do remember me. And it's not, we're not saying by that phrase that we're worried that God is going to forget us. That's not, the, that's not what we're saying. What we're saying is, Lord, I stand in need of Your attention. I stand in need of Your special working in my life. And Nehemiah recalls these things that he's done for the Lord. And he says, remember me, O God. Don't forget these things. I, I need You to, to bless me according to Your bounty. Look with me in verse number 22 as he asked the Lord to remember the things that he had done. But then in verse number 22, it says, And I commanded the Levites that they should cleanse themselves and that they should come and keep the gates to sanctify the Sabbath day. Remember me, O my God, concerning this also, and spare me according to the greatness of thy what? Mercy. He wasn't saying, Lord, I'm fearful that you've forgotten me. He's saying, Lord, I stand in need. He's crying out as these men did in Psalm 107. They cried unto the Lord. What did they cry? We don't know the words that they used. We just simply know in Psalm 107 that they cried unto the Lord. But we do know that Nehemiah cried, Remember me. Remember me. We're not worried that God has forgotten us. What we need is assurance in our hearts. We oftentimes in the flesh feel that God has forsaken us. I've heard people say that. I've heard Christians say that. I just feel that God has forsaken me. God's still there. When we cry unto the Lord and say, Lord, remember me, we're not saying, Lord, we're worried that you've forgotten. We're saying, Lord, I stand in special need of your attention. I need to be reminded of this. Look what he says also, if we get down to verse number 31. And for the wood offering at times appointed and for the first fruits, remember me, O my God, for good. There are some times you and I may cry out in our distress, Lord, remember me. Remember me. Don't, don't leave my soul here very long. I'm in need of your help. I'm in need of your aid. 
it really kind of goes along with our message from this morning on meekness and being yielded to the Holy Spirit. To be yielded to the Lord Jesus Christ. To say, Lord, I, I, I'm not resting upon what I can do for myself. I stand here today in need of You. I stand here today in the need of Your strength, in the need of Your might. Look with me in Hebrews chapter number 6. Hebrews chapter number 6. Let's look in verse number 10. Hebrews chapter 6 and verse number 10. For God is not unrighteous to what? To forget your work. He doesn't forget your work and your labor. For God is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which ye have showed toward His name, in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. So we know that they're not praying for God to not forget. We're simply saying, Lord, I need to be strengthened. I feel that I'm in a place of being forsaken. I need your strength. They're crying out to God for His help. Look in 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. 1 Corinthians chapter number 15. Why would they cry such a thing? 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Verse number 57. But thanks be unto God, which giveth us the what? Victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be ye steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You know one of the great prayers of all Scripture, I think, is when the disciples were in the ship, the storm arose and Christ was in the hold of the ship asleep. They came to the Lord Jesus Christ and they cried, Lord, save us, we perish. God expects His stewards to be faithful. He is not a high priest, the Bible says in Hebrews, who is not untouched with the feeling of our infirmities. He, he certainly knows. There are times in our minds that we feel God has forsaken us. And we cry out, Remember me, O Lord. Remember me. What are we saying when we say that? Lord, I need to be strengthened. I need to be encouraged. I'm trying to be steadfast. I'm trying to be faithful. I need to be reminded once again that You've given me the victory, that You've strengthened me. I was reading an article last week, about 10, 10 12 days ago, I guess now. About, about 10 days ago, maybe. And a guy made this statement. He said, have you ever thought of this? You can never be too you can never be too weak for God's strength, but you can be too strong for it. Sometimes we get it on ourselves that we're okay. We don't need God's help, and everything seems to be going along right until the crisis arises. And it's when we're weakest that He's able to come and move and show us His strength. In fact, when Paul prayed to Him to have His thorn in the flesh removed. He explained to Paul, he said, My grace is sufficient for thee, for my strength is made perfect in weakness. We cry unto the Lord. Sometimes we need to say, Lord, remember me. And what we're saying by that is not, Lord, I think you forgot me. 
or saying, Lord, I need your help. I'm weak. I need your strength. I need your attention right now. I need your I need your guidance in life. I need you to sustain me through this trial. There are times we've been there, haven't we? Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord, sometimes we just need to come to Him and say, Lord, remember me. I want to be faithful. I want to be true. I don't want to compromise. I want to be steadfast. I need you to remember me. Look with me, if you will, now in Isaiah chapter number 34. Isaiah chapter number 34 is the time when King Hezekiah has been told uh, that he's going to die. Isaiah chapter number 38, if you will. I like this. In fact, it's the only time in Scripture this word is used. It's in this verse. Isaiah chapter 38. Let's begin reading in verse number 1. We're going to read down through verse number 15. In those days was Hezekiah sick unto death, and Isaiah the prophet, the son of Amoz, came unto him and said unto him, Thus saith the Lord, Set thine house in order, for thou shalt die and not live. Do you imagine no one should die by the prophet of the Lord? It's one thing for a doctor to tell you this, but you'd think, well, God can certainly change that if He wants to. But boy, when the prophet of the Lord comes, you're kind of pretty well certain that's going to happen. That's what happened here. Then Hezekiah turned his face toward the wall and prayed unto the Lord and said, Remember now, O Lord, I beseech Thee how I have walked before Thee in truth and with a perfect heart and have done that which is good in Thy sight. And Hezekiah wept sore. Then came the word of the Lord to Isaiah, saying, Go and say to Hezekiah, Thus saith the Lord, the God of David, thy father, I have heard thy prayer. I have seen thy tears. Behold, I will add unto the days thy days fifteen years. What a gracious God. And I will deliver thee in this city out of the hand of the king of Assyria, and I will defend this city. And this shall be a sign unto thee from the Lord, that the Lord will do this thing that he has spoken. Behold, I will bring again the shadow of the degrees which has gone down in the sundial of Ahaz ten degrees backwards. So the sun returned ten degrees by which degrees it was gone down. The writing of Hezekiah king of Judah when he had been sick and was recovered of his sickness. This is his words now, his account. I said in the cutting off of my days, I shall go to the gates... Of the grave, I am deprived of the residue of my years. I said, I shall not see the Lord, even the Lord in the land of the living. I shall behold man no more with the inhabitants of the world. Mine age is departed and is removed from me as a shepherd's tent. I have cut off uh, like a weaver my life. He will cut me off with pining sickness from the day even to night. Wilt thou make an end of me? I reckoned till morning." That is a lion, so will he break all my bones from day even to night wilt thou make an end of me. Like a crane or a swallow, so did I chatter. He was he was worried, wasn't he? He was shaking. I did mourn as a dove, mine eyes failed with looking upward, O Lord. I am oppressed. I want you to see these next three words. Undertake for me. Undertake for me. 
there are times that we need to get to this place in our lives. Hezekiah was at a place where he said, I knew. There was no use. He said, I was, my bones were broken. I was going to be consumed. God's already told me this. I prayed all night. I prayed all night. He said, finally, I got to the place where I said, Lord, undertake for me. Could Hezekiah add even one second to his life? No. It was impossible, wasn't it? So what was his cry? Lord, this is something I cannot do. But you can. Lord, would you undertake for me? Look at verse number 15. What shall I say? He hath both spoken unto me, and himself hath done it. I shall go softly all the years, all of my years, in the bitterness of my soul. It's interesting to me that even though God had said, you're going to die, when Hezekiah cried out unto the Lord, and had a recognition and a resignation that I can't do this. He said, Lord, I know you can undertake for me. And he said in verse number 15, He hath both spoken unto me and himself hath done it. What an amazing statement. What an amazing statement. In the New Testament, the Bible says, He who hath begun a good work in you will perform it unto the day of Jesus Christ. You realize that there's not one thing you and I can do to save ourselves? We know that, don't we? Let me, let me rephrase this. <clears throat> there's not one thing you and I can do to transform our lives. Oh, we can make some outward changes. But a true transforming work Lord, undertake me. I want to live more for You. I want to have a meek spirit. I want to be poor in spirit. I want to mourn over my sin. I need to be different on the inside. I want to be able to be a teachable disciple. But I can't do it. Lord, undertake for me. There are times we need to cry unto the Lord. Remember me. Undertake for me. And then if you will look in Mark chapter number 9. And again, I, as so often in these types of messages, I certainly don't mean to sound like this is an exhaustive list. There are so many things our hearts can cry to the Lord for. But these are some that I think ought to be a part of every Christian's life. Mark chapter number 9. Let me get to the right book here. Mark chapter number 9. There's a man whose son is possessed of a devil. In verse number 14, Mark chapter 9 and verse number 14, And when he came to his disciples, he saw a great multitude about them. And the scribes questioning with them, and straightway all the people, when they beheld him, were greatly amazed, and running to him, saluted him. And he asked the scribes, What question ye with them? And one of the multitude answered and said, Master, I have brought unto thee my son, which hath a dumb spirit. And wheresoever he taketh him, he teareth him, and he foameth, and gnasheth with his teeth, and pineth away. 
And I spake to thy disciples that they could cast him out, and they, they could not. He answereth him and said, O faithless generation, how long shall I be with you? How long shall I suffer you? Bring him unto me. And they brought him unto him, and when he saw him, straightway the spirit tear him, and he fell to the ground and wallowed foaming. And he answered his father, How long is it ago since this came upon him? And he said, Of a child. And oft times it hath cast him into the fire and into the waters to destroy him. But if thou canst do anything, have compassion on us. Help us. And Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible to him that believeth. And straightway the father of the child cried out and said with tears, Lord, I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Sometimes we get so used to our Christian life. We've been saved a long time. We've been going to church a long time. We've been reading our Bibles a long time. If somebody were to ask us, do you believe God at His Word? Do you take Him at His Word? Our answer would quickly and emphatically be yes, because that's the answer we've had for so many years. But how many times, though outwardly we say we believe, inwardly we doubt? Oh, we can find quite a few times, I'm afraid. Quite a few times that while on the surface at church and somebody asks us how we're doing, we could boldly and quickly give the answer, well, God's good and He's, He's taking care of things. But when we get home, the privacy of our own bedchamber or our own prayer closets, things, the anxiety comes, the worry comes, the fear comes. And there is a need in those moments for us to say, Lord, I do believe. Cry out to Him with tears, Lord, I believe. Help Thou my unbelief. I don't care how long we've been a Christian. I don't care how many valleys and, and mountaintops we have been through. There will always be a need. There will always be a time in our life where we will need to come to the Lord and say, Lord, I do believe. I've seen too many things to not. But there are some areas I still doubt. Lord, help my unbelief. The righteous cry, and the Lord heareth them. There are times in our lives where we need to come to Him and say, Lord, I am standing here in need. I'm crying out to You. Remember me. I can't do it myself. I'm struggling. This is something that I cannot do. Undertake for me. Lord, I believe. Help thou my unbelief. Help thou my unbelief. Somebody told D.L. Moody years ago. They said, "By the world has yet to see what a man fully yielded to God can do. D.L. Moody took that statement and he went to God in prayer. And he made a commitment to the Lord. He said, by the grace of God, I'll be that man. I will be fully yielded to Him. I'll have a meek spirit. 
God was able to use the young Moody mightily, not just here in the United States, but in Europe, England. Thousands and thousands, tens of thousands that are saved and in heaven today because of His ministry and the fruit of His ministry. But I can confidently stand here today and say the same thing. And that is that the world has yet to see. Even though there have been a D.O. Moody and Charles Spurgeon and Mordecai Ham, James Blarock, Shubal Stearns, John Clarks, though there have been men that have been men of prayer, the world has yet to see what a man fully yielded to God can do. There needs to come a point in our lives where we realize, I can't do it. The only way it's going to happen is if I cry out to God. And I'm thankful we have Psalm 107. Because sometimes it's just the circumstances of life we find ourselves in that we need to cry to Him. Sometimes it's a mess we made ourselves. Sometimes it's even through the hardness of our heart and the rebelliousness. We need to cry to the Lord, and I'm thankful that He is faithful to hear us in our distresses. Oh, that men would give thanks to God. Oh, that we would praise Him for His wonderful goodness. I want to encourage us from time to time in our lives, don't be afraid to cry unto the Lord. Don't be afraid to shed some tears. Don't be afraid to get to the point of utter hopelessness and say, Lord, I'm finally at a place where you can show yourself strong. Remember me. Undertake for me. And help my unbelief. Let's stand together and be dismissed in prayer. Father, we're thankful for your word. We pray that you would help us to learn from it, to glean from it the things that we need to do in our lives. And Father, help us. We become so self-assured. We work hard. We labor hard. We try to just do things in our own strength and our own power. And the truth is, Lord, sometimes we just need to come to You and cry.